ticket. Guys, I want to tell you about my friends Simply Earth. These friends of mine are doing incredible things, not just to make the air in your home toxin-free and help you detoxify your life, but they're also making a difference all around the world. More on that in just a second. I used to be kind of intimidated by essential oils, not even really sure how to do it. Then I discovered Simply Earth, all right? I would I would spend this money and then I would just kind of like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. I'm confused, all right? But this is the solution. Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box to the rescue. They help you gain confidence and clarity in using essential oils to help make your home toxin-free. Here's how it works. You receive the recipe box with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and extras. You learn how to use your essential oils while making the recipes created by certified aromatherapists. You save money, you detoxify your life, and here's my favorite part. I'm going to get essential oils somehow, but I'd rather get them from a company who's on a mission to change the world, and Simply Earth is doing just that. They give 13% of all profits to end human trafficking around the world. Did you hear that? 13% of all profits go to end human trafficking around the world. That's a cause I want to get behind, and I know you do too. Simply Earth is like a meal subscription kit, but it's more fun and it's less edible. I got to make fun products that will detoxify my home while also learning safe ways to use my essential oils. The best part, these oils don't break my budget. I can buy from a company that changes the world. Simply Earth is giving 13% of all profits to end human trafficking around the world. So I want to encourage you to detoxify your home, but also do something to help end human trafficking. You can start right now with Simply Earth's essential oil recipe box. Plus, get a free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe today using our URL, simplyearth.com slash west. That's simplyearth.com. You're going to get a free 80 milliliter essential oil diffuser when you subscribe using our URL, simplyearth.com slash west. These guys are changing the world. Let's do it with them. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West. And as always, I really hope you like it. I'm coming to you today from the studio, the story house in Nashville. I've got an espresso in my hand, actually. My uh, coffee of choice this morning. Don't believe me? Well, I'm going to take a sip of it right now. Oh, man. Now I'm fired up. Let's go. I'm fired up. I was already fired up for today because uh, I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with a dear friend of mine, someone I look up to so much, a best-selling author with a brand new book out. She's a two-time guest on the Matthew S. podcast as of today, but more on that in just a second. I have to say, I have had so much fun traveling on tour, back on tour in the month of November. We just finished the first four shows I think three of the four shows were sold out shows, and I met so many people who said, hey, love listening to the podcast. And I'm like, come on, that's amazing. That's great. I would hear people, you know, normally it's people talking about the music, but lots of people saying, hey, I'm, I'm enjoying the podcast. So I know you're out there, and I want you to know how much it means to me. We're having a blast. Speaking of an evening at the Story House, uh, we have had such a great time, and um, only two more weekends to go starting this weekend, actually. Then Thanksgiving comes, gobble, gobble, everybody. And then a special weekend in Franklin, Tennessee, come home for Christmas. Have you heard about this? We are less than a month away from what is going to be an incredible, I almost said exquisite, and maybe it will be that as well. We've got lots of surprises. We've got um, lots of people coming in from all around the country, 
for a weekend in Franklin, Tennessee. Christmas, it's going to be magical. So can't wait for that. Special concert's going to be taking place. We have uh, just a few tickets left of that. So if you're looking for an early Christmas present for that special someone, uh, we got a lot of people coming who are celebrating anniversaries or birthdays and just want to do a destination trip. Uh, One of the things that I try to do every Christmas is, you know, not just give material gifts to my family, but to try to give them the gift of time, you know, whether it's concert tickets or something like that. And so maybe there's an idea for you. Maybe you want to bring your spouse, surprise them for a weekend in Tennessee, come and hang out with us. It's going to be great. And then we're doing uh, some Christmas dates, um, come home for Christmas in the upper Midwest. Um, But most of those shows have already sold out. Minneapolis, St. Paul. Omaha, Nebraska, but you can check on MatthewWest.com. We also got some new Gobble Gobble merch in. We got Gobble Gobble stretchy pants and uh, Gobble Gobble t-shirts. You can outfit your whole family this Thanksgiving when you're being lazy after Thanksgiving dinner. So there you go. Go check it out. Also, thanks for all the kind words about the new Christmas song. I'm glad you like it. And uh, maybe we'll get a little bit of a listen to it today here. I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet for music for today's show. We'll get to that. But first, let's dive in to today's show. I already told you she's a best-selling author. She's an incredibly gifted speaker. Uh, She's sharing her story openly, honestly, vulnerably, and not just the shiny, pristine parts. God has brought her through the storms of life, and uh, she's lived to tell about it, and she's doing that in her latest book, and today we're celebrating the release of that new book. You know what? I'm going to let her do the talk, and let's go to the story house with my good friend, Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa Turkhurst is here. She was here before I was here. Not on this earth, necessarily. I'm talking about for this interview. And so I'm starting this interview with a humble apology for being late. They had me set up with back-to-back interviews, but they have you set up with back-to-back interviews today as well, right? So it's just a miracle where we got it all together and it's working. Yeah, and you, speaking of working, you seem to never stop working. Can I ask you, um, I know what like my schedule is as a songwriter like for me making records and I'm now obviously getting into the book side of things but I'm not on a book cycle like you're on I think there was like four years between books for me are you on a rigid like I put a book out every blank well a major trade book every two years because it takes me six months to research six months to write six months to edit and write the Bible study, and then six months for marketing and promotion. So it's a full two years, but it's I'm, I always have responsibilities around a book. Yes. Have you ever hit a season where, okay, the first part of this schedule is supposed to start taking shape? Like there's, do you ever just feel overwhelmed by the thought that you know it's coming and it feels like an unstoppable train, but maybe you don't feel like you're there idea-wise or concept-wise? Yeah, I actually feel that way right now. <laughs> Are you serious? You yeah. mean about the next one, not the not the book we're about to talk about today. Yeah, the book we're about to talk about today, I'm really excited. And I'm wondering if like all my best words are behind me after I've written this book. I'm really, I'm really proud of this book. And now I've got to start thinking about the next message that I want to tackle, but I am clueless. (gasps) What? 
I know. So if you have any ideas, hey, maybe maybe oh, this man. podcast is the moment of inspiration for me. This could be it. Right now, like even if we stop the interview right now, which we won't, because if I get time with Lisa Turkhurst, I'm going to milk it for all it's worth, and I'm going to get so much wisdom from you, and everybody listening is going to be freaking out by all that you have to share. But the thought that you two, that A2, even you, might have those moments where you're like, are my best words behind me? You just made me feel a little less alone today. You know, Matthew, I have lived a life for the past 10 years that makes people feel a little less bad about their life and a little less alone. So (laughs) I'm happy to be of service to you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but just that is the craziness of the creative process where you're like, has it all been said? Has it all been done? I will tell you, here's a little pep talk for you as you start to think about the next thing is one of the biggest turning points for me that and it's like a little pep talk or motivational speech I gave to myself that I felt like the Lord put on my heart is when I start to think it's all been said before, it's all been done before. I felt one time like the Lord said, yes, that's true, but it's never been said the way I'm about to say it through you. And it's never been done the way I'm about to do it through you, right? You're the only one that has your vantage point, your God-given vantage point. And so to me, like sometimes when I'm really discouraged and like, I got nothing left, there's like, but wait a minute, like nobody else sees the world through these two eyes and God intended it that way. So something good's got to be coming. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to take that and rub it in my heart today. So thank take you. Take it. You know what I think needs to happen, Matthew? I think, okay, so when I wrote my last book, this isn't the one we're talking about today, but Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Oh, such a great book. Thank you. You read it and then wrote an amazing song. It's my favorite song. I, I have been listening to it last night and this morning. I've been sending it to friends and I, I've been listening to it for a long time now. And I loved it so much. So maybe this time you need to write a song, send it to me and I'll write a book based oh, on your song. Right. That, I hope you're not messing with me right now because that like wakes me up on every creative level. Yes. Like I even, I even liked what you a, a little less alone. Like there's something about that. Okay. Like the fact that your story has been doing that and you're exactly right, which a great, I know we're celebrating by the way, yesterday, a brand new book came out by the great Lisa Turkhurst, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, and I can't wait to talk about this. But you're right. You've been sharing your story in an authentic and honest and sincere way. And by the way, you happen to be an amazing, I almost said craftsman, craftswoman, like the craft of words. Like you are gifted as a communicator, which I said in such a clunky way as I'm talking about how eloquently you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Even that, that just humbles me right there. But but I love that idea of like flipping the creative process around. I will do that. I will send you songs every day and every night until you pick one that says, yep, that's the one. That's a big promise. So if you can <laughs> deliver that, Matthew, this would be great. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but I have been a huge Matthew West fan before I ever knew you as a friend. Did Come you know on. that? No. Listen, I told and you. I still am. A raving Matthew West fan. You already had made my day by letting me know I'm not the only creative who gets discouraged, but now you're telling me you've listened to my music? Listened? Look, now, I have cheered you on when I was an anonymous person in the crowd. Yes, well, this is that... true. And I don't even go to concerts. <laughs> I've heard you in concert. <laughs> that means so much. And uh, I got to tell you, thank you so much for writing the foreword to my book, The God Who Stays, uh, what you wrote, and when I read it, I was so moved by it. I was like, okay, 
I would buy my own book just to read what you wrote. And uh, I mean, just to have like your stamp of approval on it was intimidating for me to even put that book in front of someone like yourself who's written one great book after the other. But uh, I just have to start by telling you how grateful I am. And so today, hopefully, even though I know you're, you said there's a part of your brain that's already thinking maybe slash overwhelmed or concerned about the unknown that lies ahead in your author career. But today, are we at least giving ourselves a moment to let the confetti fall and celebrate the labor of love that is now this brand new book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes? Yes. And, you know, it's funny you say that because one of my personal goals is to start celebrating the wins. And um, I need to get better at that. I need to get better about celebrating the wins. I'm good at weeping over the losses, but I really have not been good about celebrating the wins. So thank you for throwing a little verbal confetti into today. Well, do I need to send some crumble cookies or something? Is that, is that? Yes. <laughs> I relate to that. I wonder, I wonder if we're going to continue to find out how many similarities we share, but I struggle with that in a big way. And uh, like learning my Enneagram really, one of the things about my number was that I, I heard somebody say they have a hard time staying for the confetti to fall. And I can have a success that still strangely feels like a failure. And I don't understand it. And I don't like that about me, but I have to have people around me who force me to celebrate the wins. And for that, you know, it's my family, my wife and my daughters, like letting, like saying, no, stay in this moment. Let us celebrate you and I love celebrating other people. So I'd rather celebrate you today and hopefully help. I can be that voice that says, all right, we're staying in this moment. You worked super hard on this book and words are hard. Can we just, can we just acknowledge that? <laughs> yes. And, you know, I think that's part of the gift as you being a songwriter and me being an author and you're an author too. I'm not a songwriter too, but maybe one day I will be. Okay. So, but I think that's part of the gift. It's not just the information in a book. It's giving people words to thoughts they've been struggling with, but didn't know how to verbalize themselves. Is that some of the feedback that you've gotten? I mean, obviously since the beginning, I mean, I feel like you've been putting yourself out there and your story out there since the very beginning, but obviously over the last several years, the way that you've shared uh, your story in such an honest and authentic way, I, I have to believe that some of the predominant feedback you get from people who are reading your books and following along with your ministry are saying, like, you put words to how I was feeling. Is that some of the feedback you get? And how does that feel to when you hear somebody say that? Like, you you said what I was, I, I couldn't put it on paper myself, but you just literally summed up what I'm going through and helped me in such a big way. Well, it's such an honor. It really is. It's the Genesis fifty twenty principle, you know, like you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Mm. And every time I know that I can catch a little glimpse of the heartbreak that I've walked through, that pain turning into a purpose and helping someone else, it actually heals me a little more. It gives me a perspective beyond the suffering and helps me see that this is not going to be wasted. Hmm. So it's good for them, but it's so good for me too. So from forgiving what you can't forget to good boundaries and goodbyes, we're talking about like the need to celebrate wins. Would you say 
this is not just a career win that we need to celebrate that you've accomplished something that is so hard to do, which is to complete a book. You talked, I mean, you literally just laid out the six months, the six months, the, all the things, all the research that goes into it, the blood, sweat, and tears to come up with this book. So we're celebrating the win of that accomplishment round of applause for you. But do you feel in, in what ways is, is there a personal win here too, that you're celebrating here? Yes, I have survived things that I did not think I would have the ability to survive. I have faced my greatest fear. I have lost the greatest relationship of my life, one that had some not so great parts to it, but one that I was committed to for life, and it did not last a lifetime. And I have also started to recognize that my scars, emotional and physical, are not evidence of just the hard and horrific or any kind of weakness in me. My scars are proof that I survived and I am grateful I'm so grateful. And I'm starting to see glimpses of joy on the other side that I had started to doubt would ever be there again. So the scars are evidence of survival and survival is sometimes we don't think of the word survival as a win <laughs> or as a victory, right? We think of it as just like enduring, but enduring itself is a victory and coming out of it. Guys, I want to tell you about an amazing Thing that you can be a part of this year. You want to be a part of a cause greater than yourself. Operation Christmas Child is a project of the Christian International Relief Organization Samaritan's Purse and is the world's largest Christmas project of its kind. The mission of Operation Christmas Child is to demonstrate God's love in a tangible way to children in need around the world and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I've gotten to take part uh, in some special deliveries of these boxes around the world. And it has been a life-changing experience for my family and myself, and it will be for you as well. The mission of Operation Christmas Child is to demonstrate God's love in a tangible way, right? Delivered into the hands of children through local churches, every shoebox gift is an opportunity to share about Jesus Christ and God's love. Since 1993, Operation Christmas Child has collected and delivered more than 198 million gift-filled shoeboxes to children in over 170 countries and territories. And this year, we hope to collect enough shoebox gifts to reach an additional 11 million children. Will you join Operation Christmas Child this season? By packing shoebox gifts or building shoebox gifts online, anyone can pack a shoebox. Individuals, families, churches, students, and groups. And packing a shoebox is a great way to teach kids about thankfulness and giving back to those in need. During National Collection Week on November 14th through the 21st, shoeboxes will be collected across the country at nearly 5,000 drop-off locations. This is a milestone year as Operation Christmas Child expects to collect and celebrate its 200 millionth gift-filled shoebox since it all started in 93. Visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. That's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC to learn how to pack a shoebox or build one online. Again, that's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. So I'm getting my hair cut the other day. Same barber, same barber shop every few weeks. And uh, 
My buddy who's cutting my hair tells me he's buying a house. I said, oh, how excited you must be. And he's like, yeah, it's actually really intimidating, though. There's a lot going on. A lot of details. You feel like you're in over your head. Did you get the right lender? Did you get the best rate you can get? The guy chimes in next to us. He was trying to get a house, and everything fell through because uh, they didn't have the right people around him. And uh, so the whole conversation in the barbershop that day was about the crazy real estate market, spiking interest rates, housing prices, all the things. And I don't know about you, but those kinds of things can be overwhelming because it feels like I'm out of my league. And that's why it's important to have a partner like United Faith Mortgage working with you. Um, they bring some really unique advantages to the table. And if you're if you're in the market, if you're looking for a house or looking to refinance, they provide direct lender advantage. What is that advantage? Well, they use their own money and make their own decisions within their own walls, right? So there's no middleman. And for you, that can often allow them to move faster and get you a better rate. And when you're buying a house right now, you got to move fast and you want to get the best rate possible. This can save you monthly and lifelong money. Number two, it's faith and family is at their core and they don't hide it. It's why they chose to be such a close partner with the Matthew West podcast. They're great at mortgages and helping helping uh, listeners save money first, but they're proud to be who they are at their core at the same time. And this is a really cool part. They've got a small team, which means you're going to get special care. United Faith Mortgage is run by a father and son, John and Ryan, John's wife, Denise, or sister-in-law, Barbara, they answer almost every call. So it's like you're talking and working with family. They're smaller, family-run team of a couple dozen people, and this allows them to be very one-on-one with each listener. So they've got a special offer for Matthew West Podcast listeners. They're going to pay $1,000 of your closing costs on all new home purchases and up to $500 of your appraisal fees on all refinances. You can start online. You can call anytime. Go to unitedfaithmortgage.com. Supporters of the Matthew West podcast, go to unitedfaithmortgage.com. They'll take good care of you. Why are boundaries so hard for us to set in our lives and why are they needed? Well, wherever there's chaos, that's usually an indication that there's lack of a boundary. And I think we struggle with boundaries so much because we either have had boundaries weaponized against us where someone has used a boundary to try to punish us, control us, or manipulate us, and that feels terrible, or we've tried to put boundaries on other people to try to make them change. And if they are unwilling or incapable of changing, then boundaries can feel like they just don't work for us. So part of it is we've had bad experiences with boundaries. But another part is I think we lack the biblical confidence that boundaries are not just a human thing. Boundaries are not just a good idea. They're actually God's idea. Hmm. And when I started to gain biblical confidence around boundaries, I started to realize they're not unkind or unchristian. They're actually God's provision for us to stop fighting against each other and start fighting for our relationships and fighting for the health of our relationships. And boundaries are a tool of health in a relationship. So right from Genesis chapter one, we see God establishing the foundations of this entire universe, this entire world, this entire everything using boundaries. He separated the light from the darkness there's a boundary there. Hmm. He separated the sky from the sea. There's a boundary there. He separated the land from the water. There's a boundary there. And then when we get into Genesis chapter two, the first recorded conversation between God and man 
it was on the topic of a boundary. I am mind blown by that. Think of all the subjects that God surely would have wanted to cover with Adam in that first recorded conversation. And God intentionally chose a boundary conversation. And he set the parameters up for healthy boundaries. God said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. In other words, boundaries are for the sake of freedom. If we know where the boundary lines are, then we know where the real freedom exists and we know where the limitations of that freedom is, which allows us to just roam free and freedom is beautiful. So he did it in the context of freedom, establishing this boundary with the the first recorded conversation with a man. And he said, you shouldn't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will die. So he didn't do it just to unrealistically restrict Adam. It wasn't for the purpose of restriction. It was actually for the purpose of protection. So freedom and protection, that's what God modeled. And really, if we are wanting to use boundaries in a healthy way, it should be for the sake of our relationship and for the sake of keeping ourselves safe, sane, and self-controlled in the process. So God's focus and emphasis on boundaries since day one was not out of a lack of love for us, but the exact opposite because of his deep love for us and us want, and him wanting us to discover the freedom that comes with order versus chaos. And you're right how many times we allow our lives to run us. I was writing in a song the other day, am I running through this world or is this world running me? Is the me that I'm becoming even who I want to be? You know what I mean? And I think when we turn those kinds of thoughts towards our relationships, are these relationships running rampant over us? And do we need to, in a loving way, follow God's idea of boundaries? And how do we do that in a healthy way and not believe the lie that by setting those boundaries, we are being unloving or unkind? Is that right? That's right. You know, love should be what draws us together, not what tears us apart. Mm. And we should not confuse the good command to love with the bad behavior of enabling people to treat us in ways that we should never be treated. So in love, we should seek each other's highest good. And if that is working properly, it's beautiful. But when there's a dysfunction, an improper way that love is operating, there usually starts to be chaos. And where there's chaos, there is a need for boundaries. So I always encourage people, people say, wow, boundaries, you know, I I need that. But where do I even start? I say start, pick one relationship where there's an element of relational chaos. And it doesn't have to be the hardest situation. You know, it could be a situation where somebody is asking you to do something and you want to please them. And so you want to say yes, because you don't want to disappoint them, but deep in your heart, you're having all those red flags. Don't say yes. You're not going to be able to do this. It's going to hyperextend you. And so we can communicate a boundary. It doesn't have to be this awful thing. It doesn't have to be like the ultimate breakup of a friendship. We can simply say in an email reply, Dear Sally, thank you so much for thinking of me. It's an honor to be thought of with this opportunity. While my heart says yes, the reality of my time makes this a no. Hmm. So while I don't have that to give, I do have this to give. And then you can state what you can do without feeling paralyzed in agreeing to something you can't do. 
Yeah, Sally's the worst, isn't she, by the way? Can we just talk about, like... <laughs> no, I, lo- I love that you just put it in a very, like... You weren't just talking about, like, a deeply dysfunctional relationship in that example that you just said. It was literally like you were creating boundaries around maybe even some sort of a professional request. That's right. Which that's hard to do. Like, learning the power of no in my life is a huge challenge. It's one of the reasons why I was so hesitant to even to reach out to you to write a forward for my book, because I was like, I'm Sally now. I am Sally. Like she, she might need to say, dear Sally, (laughs) my heart says yes. But I want to talk about too, like dysfunction can like come in subtle ways and chaos can be in our lives in subtle ways. And you've come through the fire and you and your family. And I see the victories that you're celebrating and your the subtitle of your book is talking about loving others without losing the best of who you are and how have you discovered like what do you mean by the best of who you are in that like how does providing boundaries help you become the best version of you well again the best version of me is going to be where i'm demonstrating the fruit of the spirit and where i am bringing the evidence of god's kind of love like I am patient, I am kind, I am self-controlled, I am, you know, long-suffering. And and that is how I'm wired. You know, I, I did this activity in my journal and I, I wrote down, who are you, Lisa? Like, who are you really? How did God wire you to express beauty in this world, to express the Imago Dei, the evidence of of the image of God and the goodness of God. And so I wrote down some qualities I knew to be true with my wiring, with my propensities. And so I wrote down, you know, I am loving, I am generous, I am long-suffering, I am kind. And then I started thinking in situations where there is a lack of boundary and I'm allowing myself to be hyper extended and becoming a fractured, frazzled version of myself, I become the opposite of that. I become impatient. I become less generous. I start to feel like people are taking advantage of me. I start to become snippy instead of encouraging. And it's evidence, not just that somebody is requiring too much of me. It's evidence that I am not being self-controlled. I can't control another person, what they ask of me or what they do to me, but I absolutely am required to be responsible enough for myself where I am self-controlled and able to demonstrate the best qualities of who I am. So let me flip the interview a little bit, Matthew. Yeah. Cause you're kind of reading my diary a little bit right now. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to prove to you Okay. that you look stressed. And so I'm going to prove to you. Do I look stressed? Yes. Uh, just about when I'm reading your diary. Okay. So I'm going to prove to you you're already doing this really well. Are you ready for it? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Do you have a bank account? Yes. Do you have a security passcode on your bank account? Yes. Okay. Is that because you're unkind and unchristian? No. Why? Why would you have a security passcode on your bank account? Because I don't want somebody to steal my money. Right. And you have limited resources, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you've got responsibilities to meet with those limited resources. Right. Right. And you're limited not because you're a bad person. You're limited because you're human. Yeah. 
So these are the two words that I want us to think about with boundaries, access and responsibility. With your finances, you don't give everyone free access, ultimate access to your bank account because you don't know that everybody's going to be responsible with it. You will give Emily access to your bank account, your wife, because Emily has already demonstrated she is very responsible with that kind of access. So we know this with our bank account, but we forget this with so many other areas of our life. To the level that we give someone access is to the level that they need to demonstrate appropriate responsibility for that access. The problem is we're often giving level 10 access to people that maybe they're only bringing level three responsibility. Yeah. And so we can have a conversation and ask them to increase their responsibility, but they are unwilling or incapable. We can't put a boundary on them to force them to change. If they're unwilling or incapable of changing, the only healthy choice we can do is to put a boundary on ourselves and reduce the access we grant that person down to their level of demonstrated responsibility. I mean, the way you just unpacked that, first of all, just on a personal, like, like hitting the nail on the head of kind of where I'm at in my life right now. And if I'm there, I have a feeling so many people listening to this and so many people who are about to read your new book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, like they're in this moment right now and need some practical steps. And just the way you just unpacked that makes total sense. And when I think about the things that prohibit me from like setting the boundaries I need or limiting different levels of access to people who maybe haven't proven that they've deserved that, which by the way, I would slightly dis the only thing that we were slightly off on was Emily having access to the bank account with she's earned the right. But sometimes when she goes shopping at Christmas time, it scares me a little bit and I wish there was another security code, but that's another conversation. <laughs> Guys, your business can't keep waiting for your dream hire to sweep you off your feet. How do you find them right now? Well, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't have to spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. You find top talent fast. With Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Do you hate waiting? Well, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. I am running a business. I'm running multiple businesses while I'm recording this podcast. And what I'm trying to say is I don't have time to wait. I've got to find the right people. And I need Indeed just as much as you need Indeed. All right. Here's the deal. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash West to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash West. Indeed.com slash West. Hey, in the minute I've been talking to you, 16 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. So go to Indeed.com slash West. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application. Pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What were the things that kept you in the past? Like the fact that you can speak as clearly as you just did about that. 
that can only come from somebody who's walked through that fire, who's failed to set the boundaries that they needed to set for different reasons at different times in their life. But you've grown immensely in that and you've and you've learned the hard way and you've you've learned the importance of these boundaries. But I know the things that keep me from doing that. And sometimes it's like I don't want to disappoint people. I had a Sally who was asking me to do something. It was a good opportunity. And and gosh, I just I didn't want to say no because I didn't want to disappoint. And so I often will just not put boundaries up. And then I'm the frazzled person that you just described. And it's for fear of disappointing people. It's because I think I'm maybe be it comes across as being unkind. I, I don't want to miss opportunities. Or sometimes it's because I feel like if I walk away from something that is not working or draw a boundary that means sometimes a boundary means like coming to a finality point, like putting a period at the end of a sentence of a relationship or right where something's going to come to an end. And that feels like failure to me. So those are some of my reasons. Like, what have you found in your own life or in the people that you've written this book for are saying, well, here's the reasons why I haven't set boundaries in this relationship or this thing. Well, I'm going to have confession time. Okay? okay. So a big reason that I have resisted setting a boundary is because I didn't want to run the risk of facing a consequence that felt more painful than the relational turmoil making me consider a boundary. And in other words, I, I would say I have been a pretty classic people pleaser. But as I sat with that, I realized something that was really hard for me to admit. And that is, I wasn't pleasing people just to keep them happy. I was pleasing people and trying to keep them happy because I didn't want to lose whatever it was that they were giving to me that I felt like if I didn't have that from them, I would not be okay in this world. And I remember the day that I wrote in my journal, we will always desperately want from other people what we fear we will never get from God. And so when I think about my resistance to boundaries, it's because I'm worried that that person will take something that I really want them to continue to give to me. And whether that's opportunity or acceptance or that they're impressed with me or whether it is another step toward an advancement or whether it's just that they think good about me, whatever it is, I have to be honest that trying to keep a person happy just because I'm scared that they will reject me. If I fear that that person's going to reject me, then they may eventually reject me whether or not I ever set this boundary. And my only choice in the process is whether I stay safe, sane, and self-controlled in the process. So that's the choice we have to make. Is the pain of the relational chaos greater than the potential consequence that could happen if we set a boundary. And it sounds like at the end of the day, what you're talking about ultimately is the relationship that we're called to have with God being that when we come to that reminder that nobody else can fill and satisfy and fill the void in our lives but Him. And when we begin to look to anybody else, that thing, that relationship, to provide for us what only God can provide— that's when we become even more and more scared of, of setting those boundaries or walking away from those things. Right. And that can sound kind of Christianese, like, right. you know, 
I need to get ultimate provision from God and not look to other people, you know, and like, it is true, but sometimes in the midst of the grit and grime of a relationship, we're afraid we might lose. It can kind of sound trite, you know, to say, yeah. well, just get all those needs from God. God did create us for relationship. So here's something again, that I've had to realize about myself and I've had to work on, I've had to do a lot of work, both in a theological sense and a therapeutic sense as well. Um, and it's this, you know, sometimes when I walk in a room, I think people would assume that I walk in a room and just automatically feel accepted. And I don't, I have social anxiety. Like I'm actually a pretty introverted person who is forced to live a life that looks a little more extrovert than I really am. And when I walk in a room, my worst situation is to walk into a room by myself and everybody has a person and they're all talking to their person. And I can't figure out how to break into any conversation. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's assuming that I'm just secure, but inside I'm, I'm feeling so much insecurity and anxiety. I, I don't know what to do. So many times I've walked up to the guy serving the sodas at the beverage table and just like strike up a conversation with him because I'm so terrified to stand there by myself, you know? And the Lord really had to address this with me because I have, I would want to just say, I'm staying five minutes and I'm going to run back. Like I'm going to run back home or I'm going to run back to my hotel room or I'm going to run to a bathroom and just sit in a stall <laughs> and like regroup, you know? <laughs> and so, but what the Lord really challenged me is, Lisa, you need to walk into that room not begging other people to bring acceptance to you and to bring love to you. You need to walk into that room eager to live from a place of acceptance and love. Like God has already accepted me and loved me. So I need to walk in that room bringing acceptance and love that every person in that room needs. And I have the opportunity to just walk up to somebody and make them feel more loved and accepted rather than begging from them to give me scraps of love because I'm so uncomfortable. And so that's what I mean. We will always desperately want from other people what we fear we will never get from God. But we've already gotten it from God. He, he has promised to never leave us. People will leave us, but God has promised to never leave us. He, he has promised that we are his children, that he wants good things from us, even when life does not feel good or make any kind of sense at all. He has promised that he has established us from the foundation of immense love, so much love that he sacrificed his only son so that we could live. And I need to live from that place of love, not for getting love from other people. Because living from that place of love equals confidence and a confidence in how deeply loved we are. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on the extroverted introvert. I'm I'm with you on I feel like we could be um we could be brothers from another mo I I don't think that's the right term, but uh, <laughs> like I'm just like nodding my head with so much of the, what you're talking about. And like the thought of you like talking with the guy who's pouring the soda is like the guy's like, why is Lisa Turker standing here talking to me? No, well, I love I'm telling you, you have no idea how many deep conversations I have forced the guy serving soda to have with me. 
Like, yeah. where are you from? Where did you go to school? Oh, well, what did your parents do? Well, what kind of house did you live in? <laughs> <laughs> and that guy's writing you an email. Dear Sally. Stop. No, I'm just kidding. He's needing to set Dear boundaries Sally. from you. <laughs> my heart says yes. The reality of my time says Is no. That, I have too many Diet Cokes to pour. Please stop talking to me because of your social anxiety. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, you're incredible. Um, tell me, just as this book goes out into the world... I know what your hope and prayer is for this book. Talk to somebody who knows they need to pick this book up and tell them what your prayer is for them specifically as they pour through these pages, dealing with that, with whatever boundaries the Lord's going to show them that they need to place in, in, in the prayer that they move forward with confidence. But what's your prayer for the person who's picking up this book today and in the days to come that you hope the Lord speaks to them through it? Well, my first prayer would be when you pick up the book that before I teach you anything that I make you feel less alone and understood because when you've gone through relational hurt and heartbreak and turmoil and trauma, you know, trauma isn't just something that comes at you. It's something that happens in you. And so I get it. And I, I wrote this book from my own point of heartbreak and struggle. And then as they get into the meat of the book, I pray that people will start to see they don't have to stay trapped in a situation that they're saying, I just can't take it anymore. I just cannot take it. Like I'm, I'm losing it. I, I, I don't know what to do. It's like things need to change, but I can't be the only one making changes. And I pray that this book will help give them the spiritual confidence and the emotional fortitude to be able to say, this is what is acceptable and this is what is not acceptable. This is what I can give and this is what I cannot give. And it's not because I'm selfish. It's because I'm human. There is a limitless supply, but that limitless supply is found in God. I can be a mother. I can be a wife. I can be a sister. I can be a daughter. I cannot be a savior. And I spent too many years running up on a train track where a locomotive was barreling towards someone I loved and pulling that person off that train track, desperate to rescue them from consequences that wouldn't just affect them, but would affect me as well. And what I finally had to realize as they kept climbing back on the train tracks and climbing back on the train tracks, if I continue to run up and pull them off the train tracks, that locomotive barreling toward us is going to run over us both. Gosh, yeah. And so for the sake of my sanity, for the sake of my security, for the sake of me being able to stay self-controlled, I had to learn to draw boundaries. And I also had to learn how to say goodbye in some situations. And the fact that you're, you're now willing to like continue to let your story be a lifeline to somebody else who needs to make the same hard decisions. They need to grow. They need to learn. They can have this mentorship from you only because you're willing, only because you've said, all right, Lord, I'm going to dare to believe that the survival, that the scars, that those are going to be wins in my life 
because of your faithfulness and goodness and that you're going to actually use these to be a win in somebody else's life to help them draw the boundaries that need to be drawn as well. It's such an inspiration to me, the way that you're walking through your story and giving people a window inside to see this. It's just, um, I just can't thank you enough for sharing your story here today. The friendship that we've been able to build over the years, I'm just so thankful for you. I'm inspired by you. So many other people are inspired by you. And the one thing I was thinking about too, as this book is coming out in November, and I'm thinking about at the holidays and the boundaries, the boundary discussions around family and the holidays, I'm like, wait, you guys picked the holiday season for a reason because somebody out there is probably going to buy a copy of this book for every member of their dysfunctional family. <laughs> but um, I just think it's incredible and i'm so excited to see how i shouldn't have made a joke about it but you know hey good boundaries and goodbyes yeah i'm glad you brought that up you know and that's one reason matthew that i hope people do read this in community i hope people do read this with their family to normalize that boundaries are okay and to also stop saying things to each other like you can't draw a boundary look at jesus he laid down his life for his friends And this is what the last thing I want to leave you with is I unpack so many of those weaponized Bible verses to make us feel like we can't draw boundaries. And with that that particular one, this is, if I leave you with nothing else, I want to leave you with this. You're right. Jesus did lay down his life. He did it to accomplish a high and holy purpose. He did not do it to enable bad behavior to continue. She's Lisa Turkhurst. She is a powerful voice, a gifted wordsmith, and uh, a storyteller that uh, is telling a story that's going to impact many people's lives. Her new book is called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, Loving Others Without Losing the Best of Who You Are. Buy a copy for yourself. Buy one for every member of your family (laughs) who needs it this holiday season. Lisa, it's such an honor to know you. It's such an honor to hang out with you. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'm so excited to be able to be part of celebrating this win. Before you start thinking about the next book, here it is. You've worked hard on it. And uh, we are applauding your efforts and so thankful for uh, the way that you speak into our lives. So here's to the next book. But just rest in this one for a moment, okay? Thank you, Matthew. It means so much to me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Songs from the Story House. I have been receiving this request at my uh, shows on the road, probably more than any other song. And um, I've come to grips with the fact that I can't escape this song. And so here we are. It's November. Thanksgiving's getting close. You know what? Nothing deep and meaningful during Songs from the Story House today. Let's get our gobble on. Enjoy. There are so many songs about Christmas. The reindeer, the lights, and the gifts. We sing chestnuts are roasting and marshmallows toasting. And here comes old jolly Saint Nick. Now don't get me wrong, I sure love all those songs But one holiday gets left out You see, no one remembers a song for November But that's gonna change starting now Gobble, gobble one Gobble, gobble two Gobble, gobble me Gobble, gobble you Listen to me now, gobble 
a straw in the gravy bowl. Yeah, I'ma eat a dozen dinner rolls. Stretchy pants on, that's how I roll. No judgment here, no judgment here. Grandpa's passed out, passing gas. But we got pumpkin candles burning just for that. Someone brought up politics, now everybody's mad. But you can't be mad when the whole world's singing. Gobble, gobble, one. Gobble, gobble, two. Come on. Gobble, gobble, me. Gobble, gobble, you. Everybody now. Gobble, gobble, three. Gobble, gobble, four. Gobble, gobble, please. Can I have some more? Oh, my. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment of the show is called Dad Advice. Play his theme song. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment is called Dad Advice. Dad, we've had a good show. Lisa Turkhurst uh, joined me. We've listened to a little bit of Gobble Gobble, and uh, you and I were talking a little bit off air about confusion and uh specifically joking about corn mazes, which is a fall festive activity. But when I, I, I scared to death of corn mazes and the confusion they bring, but send us out with some encouragement, would you? Okay. Uh, the thought I want to give to all of us today is our confusion is on God's mind. Today's world is looking more like a giant corn maze every day. There's confusion on every side, and it's taking you and I longer to sort through the information and find a clear path. And this week has been election week, and just look at you know, politics and politicians, and you can easily get confused on what's going on in our world. We're confused. But let's remember, God's mind is never in a state of confusion, and his desire for us is peace and place of confusion. The word confusion means lack of understanding, uncertainty, bewilderment. Here's three quick things we need to know about confusion. One, confusion is not from God. 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion. Two, confusion is from the enemy. Satan has been called the God of confusion. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Here's a good quote. The enemy wants to keep us in a state of confusion to stop us from moving forward in our walk with Christ. If he can keep us wandering, we'll miss what God has for us. Another quote, confusion comes when we forget the importance of God's word as our unwavering guide. And then thirdly, the opposite of confusion is peace. God's plans for us is peace. And our first verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 33, said, For God is not the author of confusion, but it goes on to say, but he's the author 
of peace. And he's here to give you peace in me peace in the midst of our confusion. My dad advice for this week is study the word of God to direct you away from confusion. And when you face confusion, stop and pray for clarity and peace. God will direct your thoughts and take your confusion. He has your confusion on his mind. That's good stuff. Thanks, Dad. That's the show for today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks to my guest, Lisa Turkhurst. Be sure to pick up her brand new book. If you heard what she was sharing and thought, boy, she's reading my mail uh, like I did, then definitely got to check this out. Don't just get one for yourself. Get one as a Christmas gift for somebody. I know your life will be enriched because of it. So thanks to Lisa, my man, just a, an inspiring human being. And I'm so glad that she could join me on the podcast, not once, but twice. Hey, hope you guys can come and see me on the road. We're talking about possibly doing a, a virtual Christmas concert too. So for those who can't make it to a show, we haven't forgotten about you. Uh, be sure to check out MatthewWest.com for all the things that I talked about at the beginning of the show. We got new Gobble Gobble merch. We got uh, some dates coming up. What am I forgetting? Oh, go go listen to Come Home for Christmas. Come on. It's the theme song on Great American Family. And uh, I hope you're enjoying that as you're watching your holiday films. All right, guys, make it count today. All right, make the most of the one shot you get at this life. And remember, it is your story for his glory. Love you guys. See you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do. <laughs>